0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber, It's a talk show, we talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart.
1: Hey, get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your
2: everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Brian Weber with you alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, spotlighting some of the marquee matchups from week three in the NFL, Let's kick off the podcast with Jim Brandstatter from the Lions Radio Network. Jim, take us through the conclusion of the game, watching it in real time. Did you think it was a touchdown by Golden Tate? And what would you make of the reversal upon further review?
3: Well, in real time, it looked like a touchdown. And we had called it on the radio as a touchdown because the referees called it a touchdown. So, you know, when you look at on replay, the guy had his hands on Golden Tate's back and his knee did touch and the ball was short. So... When you split hairs and you get the replay, yep it was short. The problem I have is this 10 second runoff uh, and yeah I know it's a, in fairness and it's a rule but it just takes the you know the air out of the balloon I mean you have just put 60 70 thousand people up in the rafters by having a touchdown then you take it away and then you tell them the game's over. It's like people are standing in the stands going what?" And that was the tough part. I mean, great football game, two extremely, I think, very good football teams. But uh, the ending, for Falcon fans, it was exactly what they expected, they wanted, they got. For Detroit fans, it was a great disappointment.
4: Jim, Nick Ferguson there. E- even in a, a loss to a, a decent team in, in Atlanta Falcons, they went to the Super Bowl earlier this year. What does this say about the Detroit Lions and the fact of, that they're not that far from the other teams within the conference.
3: Well, it says a lot. And I think that's what it says. Uh, you know, the idea of the lions, are they the same old lions that, you know, win early and then go into the tank? I don't think so. I I think they went into New York a week ago and won. They are um, a team that can compete with the Atlanta Falcons. who, in my opinion, are a team that looks like a playoff team to me and, uh, I mean, the Lions played them toe to toe today. The one thing that was disappointing from Detroit's aspect, they've got to improve against the run. And uh, other than that, they got three turnovers against Matt Ryan, who's hadn't turned it over in like five years, I don't think. <laughs> so overall, I, I agree with. You. I think. I think it says a lot about Detroit that they've arrived in a third team in the NFC that uh, you know has to be reckoned with.
2: Chatting with Jim Brandstatter, game analyst for 760 WJR and the Lions Radio Network. Jim, I know in this one, the Lions were trying to fight their way back, so Matthew Stafford had to throw it 45 times. But when we go back to Monday Night Football and you saw the Lions run it more than throw it, how much do you like the development, a little more balance in the office this year with the return of Amir Abdullah?
3: Well, they've got to, and I think that that's what's very important. I mean, Abdullah and Theo Riddick both have to be able to run the ball. Uh, If they give... Matthew, a running game, a, a legit, consistent running game, game in, game out. I'm not talking about you know, rushing for 170 yards or anything, but just get up to 100, 110 so that it's there. I think Matthew becomes a better quarterback. I think he becomes uh, more dangerous because the running game is there. I think Matt Ryan uh, really benefits from Devontae Freeman and their running game because their big play, and we watched it today, their run-action passing is is absolutely lethal because they are able to run the ball. And that's what I think Matthew needs. And if he gets it, I think you're going to see him even be better and his numbers be even better.
4: Jim, I mean, when we talk about the Detroit Lions, we're always talking about uh, Matthew Stafford and what he's doing from an offensive standpoint. Over the past couple of weeks, we saw uh, the defense elevate their level of play. Can, can we now say that... Uh, I guess the the landscape of the defense and the perception of who this Lions team wants to be as a defensive unit, has that now changed and the culture has now shifted to now this is a defense that not only can turn the ball over, but they can make something happen and put points on the board as well.
3: Oh, I think so. I think absolutely. And, again, you talk about the things that have been missing from the Lions uh, during their struggling years. It's been that. And today you saw against Atlanta. They forced three interceptions. Uh, normally you win a game when you do that on the defensive side. The only thing that was disappointing today is that uh, Atlanta rushed for 150. Uh, that, that's disappointing. They got good pressure on Matt Ryan. They forced three turnovers, but they got to shore up that, uh, that rush defense in order for them um, to really you know, take that next step to get to that next level.
2: Jim, as we wrap it up, how important was it that we found out last night the announcement Jim Caldwell got the contract extension and now no more questions about his job status in this, the final year of his current contract?
3: Uh, I think very important for two reasons. One, that again, you know, Bob Quinn's a new GM, right? He's kind of running the football operation, but you sign your quarterback and you get the coach that you think is the guy that can kind of shepherd this franchise forward and you lock him up that says there's a consistency and a continuity in Detroit, which there hasn't been to be quite frank over the last dozen years. That to me speaks volumes and I think it was a great move by Detroit to get Jim Caldwell in the uh, in the fold for a long period of time.
2: Well, Jim, we go to all the broadcasts around the league. It's always fun to listen in to you and Dan Miller. I'm sure you wish it had been a victorious call, but we appreciate you taking the time to join well, us again on the NFL on TuneIn.
3: Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening and I'll tell you what, Dan made one of the great calls on a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown
2: at the end of that game. (laughs) It still counts in our book. Thank you, Jim. Well, thank you. See you later. You're
0: listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with
2: more after this. Between game-winning drives and walk-off home runs, follow TuneIn Sports on social media and get the latest scoop on our great sports shows. From MLB at the plate to NFL No Huddle, be the first to know about upcoming interviews with some of the biggest stars in sports. Or check out behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Like us at TuneIn Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and keep up on all the latest news and happenings from around the world of sports.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's recap the Vikings' win over the Buccaneers, joined by Greg Coleman from the Vikings Radio Network. Greg, what'd you take away from this game? Watching Case Keenum was sharp with the three passing touchdowns. That was that really wasn't
5: Case. I think the Vikings did a great job of illusion and put Sam Bradford in number seven, <laughs> uh, dyed his hair blonde and shrunk him a few, uh, few inches, but... Uh, man case keenan was just on fire uh you know he came out slinging the ball giving the receivers an opportunity to go up and make plays and they rewarded him uh stefan diggs i mean uh eight catches 174 75 yards uh two tds adam Thielen, almost 100 yards and, and cook the young uh running back you know uh five receptions for 72 yards so Case was an equal opportunist in really passing the ball around everybody.
4: Greg, Nick Ferguson, you, you were just talking about uh, the sensation of running back out of Florida State, Dalvin Cook. What does he mean to this offense and, you know, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and the ability to run in between the tackles? We've seen him have even some punishing runs, but just 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 tell us, just having a guy like that in the fold, knowing as though Sam Bradford is out for a couple of games You know, what is it like to have him around? Well,
5: first of all, Nick, he is such an unusual young football player. Uh, His awareness, his patience as a runner, uh, his ability to to pick up uh, linebackers and blitzes and safeties, uh, even when it's not his assignment. I mean, he has that much awareness. Uh, He he doesn't play like a rookie. I mean, you know, close to, you know, 200 – uh, total yards, uh, 94 rushing, as I mentioned, you know almost 70. You know, catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't know if the Vikings have had a running back with that dangerous pass catching ability since the great Chuck Foreman. Uh, you know Ricky Young, who came over and did a great job. Robert Smith was 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 a great back out of the backfield, but Devin Cook gives you an added dimension. As a breakaway runner, he's stronger than most most people realize, but he's also quicker and faster. Uh, man, he's he's just impressive. Uh, he he just does not play like a rookie, but he gives this offense, he gives uh, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer another weapon, another arrow in the quiver, uh, on top of the great receivers that that we currently have.
2: Greg Coleman. Vikings Radio Network is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Greg, we know that Mike Zimmer is one of the sharpest defensive minds in all of football. What's the state of the defense? Another challenging assignment today after matching up with the Steelers last week. But it felt like watching this game that just about every time Jameis Winston was looking to make something happen, the Vikings defense had an answer.
5: They did. And, and you know, the saying, hey, get off the field, that's what they did on third down. And Tampa Bay guys was one of six on third down. When you can shut down a Jameis Winston and and Mike Evans and, uh, you know, young Mr. Jackson, you you know, you've done something. You know, the the running game, they tried to get it going in the first half. Uh, Once they got behind, it was pretty much null and void, non-existent. But um, it starts up front, okay? It starts with Lombo, Joseph, uh, you know, Tom Johnson, and, and Everson Griffin and Brian Robinson, those guys put the heat. They bring it every Daniel Hunter. They bring it every play. And and Jameis didn't have a playoff. Let's put it that way. The backs didn't have a playoff because those guys brought the heat every play. The Vikings even uh, gave some of their starters some extended time on the sideline to, to stay fresh. You know, Eric Kendricks was out several series uh, Anthony Barr was out a few times. Xavier Rhodes. So the rotation of of what defensive coordinator uh, Coach Edwards has done is unbelievable because those guys were fresh all day long. So whenever Tampa Bay tried to mount a you know a threat, they would shut him down. We had three picks today. You know, uh, Trey Wayne's had one. Uh, Andrew Sendejo, and Harrison Smith. So uh, yeah, some were some ill-advised passes by Jameis, but. Uh, this, these guys were putting the heat on him up front, and when you put heat on them on up front, the guys on the back end are going to make some plays.
4: Well, well, Greg, I mean, I think we all would uh, be in agreement that it was an anomaly to watch Case Keenum go out and play the way that he did, but uh, with three, uh, I guess, back-to-back-to-back divisional games coming up, I mean, how do you see this unfolding for this Minnesota Vikings uh, team?
5: Well, you know, every game is not going to be, every win is not going to be a big win, Nick. in whether it's by, by one or 100, the most important thing is a win. It doesn't matter how you win. Uh, there's no explanation when you start looking at winning losses. So you got Detroit coming in here, a division game next week. You know, we both are tied for the division right now with uh, two and one. Um, in the event, that Sam Bradford is not able to go next week, this football team has total confidence in Case Keenan. That's number one. Number two, we catch them at home, uh, which is another advantage. Listen, stadiums don't win football games, but the momentum swing and and the crowd noise and all of those things, they certainly help. Thirdly, will be another emotional piece, because we're inducting uh, uh, one of my former teammates, Ahmad Rashad, into the Minnesota Vikings ring of honor. So we've got over 100-plus players coming back. Um, so the guys really, really want to do well. And not only –
3: the task at hand is
5: to beat Detroit. But with all of those other outside factors, um, you know, you, you, you've got skin in the game, and, and there's some added, uh, an added dimension that you really want to play well. But more than anything else, it's a division game, and we owe Detroit one, baby, I tell you that.
2: Greg, great information as always. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn.
5: All right, guys. Be well. We'll
0: talk to you soon. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
5: Hi, I'm Kelly Sutton from TuneIn Country Roads. Was it more love
6: or war putting us together? I loved it, but it, it was war. Really? We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. Body like News and interviews with your favorite country stars. When I first heard this song, I knew it was me. Shut up kiss me all the pretty girls say.
1: With all of your favorite new country songs. Join me on Country Roads on TuneIn.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, now let's take you around the league with my NFL No Huddle co-host, Cordell Stewart. Cordell, do you want to start in Tennessee, or how about our Jaguars with that beatdown they applied in London, crushing Baltimore?
1: Your Jaguars, huh? I thought you picked the Baltimore Ravens. But let me tell you about your favorite quarterback, Blake Bortles. He put on a phenomenal display of great quarterbacking going 23 of 31, four TDs. One question you and I talked about on our, on our show, No Huddle, was how will the Baltimore Ravens handle the long travel? I said they're probably more or less being all uh, just caught up into the, the nuances of things and the Jacksonville Jaguars being the, the well-traveled team they are. Probably having the biggest crowd there in London end up coming away victorious by a big margin of scoring 44 points on this team, Baltimore, who's pretty much been putting out a few donuts uh, when it comes down to playing against teams like the Cincinnati Bengals and a few other teams that they play really hard against. Maybe not gotten donuts, but play really hard. But great job by Jacksonville. How about this Kansas City Chiefs team? I mean, looking at them right now, Alex Smith and company are continuing to play phenomenal football. Eric Murray filling in for Eric Berry, doing a great job of sticking Antonio Gates, making it a tough day. Uh, for Phillip Rivers to be able to connect with his favorite target. And my Steelers goes on the road and lose against a Chicago Bears team that could easily have two wins this year if they only could have connected against the Atlanta Falcons when playing there in Soldier Field uh, with two opportunities in, in the end zone but couldn't connect. So a lot of great football around the National Football League. The young kid, Jake Elliott, uh, the, the the young rookie A field goal kicker from Memphis puts up a 61-yard field goal uh, to actually take your team, Brian, again. Here he is, Nick. His team again, who he (laughs) said was going to win that division, uh, actually forced that team to be 0-3 at this moment in time. That's the New York football giants with Odell Beckham coming back, having a great game. So great football across the board. Uh, That was a great game, to say the least, for that young kid, Jake Elliott, who took it 61 yards in the air to put it between the uprights. Barely made it, but... They don't say, actually, how did you do it? They ask for the end result, and the end result was a victory.
4: Cordell, let's go back for a second. Now, you know, there's no timetable uh, on Andrew Luck. I know it's being alleged he may come back to practice, and I'm sure after watching Jacoby Brissett go out and play the way that he's been playing. Now, would it, would this be a little too far-fetched to think, knowing as though the Colts needed some need a lot of pieces to keep Jacoby Brissett in-house and then start to shop maybe Andrew Luck to get more pieces to help this team. Is that a little too far fetched? Yeah, that's thing? insane. I'm gonna jump. No, in it's right. not insane. It's not. It's not insane. Shop because, Andrew
2: Luck plus you could trade the, him with the contract. But Cordell, because here's the thing. This is Here, your segment.
1: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, of course you know you know why he's griping over there right now. Exactly because b Webb is high on Andrew Luck. And plus he went to Stanford. So with saying <laughs> that. We had this conversation on our show with with, with saying that there are talks around the National Football League that within his camp, uh, which we haven't heard that directly from the camp, but just conversation around the National Football League, that that may be a potential chance or just talks or even just thinking about that being a potential scenario. Now, let's just be realist here. If we're a front office people and we saw our team being as young as they were in the money that we've given Andrew Luck, it's not actually turning out the way we would love for it to turn out because he's injured all the time. And it's not necessarily his fault. This is strictly a business decision. If I had the opportunity to get enough pieces for someone like Andrew Luck and seeing this kid Preset playing the way he is, and he, if he continues this type of play without Andrew Luck being on the team, you have to visit that conversation. Why not? Your team needs everything under the sun to give them a chance just to have an inkling of an opportunity to compete every week. But Brissett actually went out against a, a Cleveland Browns team, took advantage of his opportunities, and played well, played solid, and ended up winning this game 31-28. to 28. And by committee, we saw Frank Gore, who had a solid game, made a couple plays here and there, scored a touchdown. That's really all you ask for, not necessarily to carry the load, but just be a part of it, and he was. So I like what you're saying Nick, we talked about this on our show during the week last week. So this is not new conversation for us. Uh, but I think it's a great thing to think about. I and mean, if you're a front office crew, I think the best thing you can do is at least visit it. Maybe not make it public information. But you have to think about that. Because if Andrew Luck comes back to this football team, because there were some saying, should he just stay out for the rest of the year? And My, my thing is, heck no. He has to get in and play because of that big, big contract that they've given him of eighty-seven million dollars guaranteed. And I questioned it from day one, to be honest with you. But when I do that, it sounds like you know I'm, 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 I'm salty, I'm right? Another, yeah, salty. and I'm not because <laughs> is he is he living up to that eighty-seven million bucks? You know what we say? It's the offensive line, it's the coaching, it's the GM, it's the management. They've been drinking too much the night before when they gave him the contract. No, he can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. So hey, let's visit it. And talk about it. And if we can't get nothing that we want from it, just keep it the way it is. Why not?
2: Uh, Yeah, because you guys are both nuts. We're taking you around the league (laughs) with Cordell Stewart, my (laughs) co-host on NFL No Huddle. Join us tomorrow for Eastern time among our scheduled guest, Charles Davis of NFL Network and the NFL on Fox. He was in the broadcast booth for Tennessee's comprehensive victory over Seattle Overtime is just underway at Lambeau Field. Cincinnati gets the football first. If they do anything productive, we'll take you there live. Cordell, what'd you take away from Tennessee's win? DeMarco Murray had a run that's going to live forever on the highlight reel for the Titans. He simply would not go down as he was able to weave his way all the way to the end zone.
1: Great run by him. Uh, Tons of questions of wondering if if uh, Derek Henry would be able to carry the load and, and he came in and played well, but that was one of those plays, uh, I think, for DeMarco Murray that really put a stamp of approval on his career up until this point because uh, of, of the conversations of Derek Henry actually carrying the load, but yet the old man comes on the football field and, and, and gives them a spark, gives them a big run uh, that catapulted them in the position uh, that they end up being in, which was, was on the side of uh, let's just say, being victorious and having a, a very, very good game, uh, to say the least. But when saying all that, um, you know, that style of football, you know, and, and I say it all the time, it can go to the North Pole, it can go to the South Pole. When you run the football as well as they did, you can test the mental and physical fortitude of any defense in the National Football League when you are as stubborn as that running game was today. That was Mike Malarkey's style of football when it comes to the play calling. It's all about the scheming with X's and O's. It's about execution. And at the end of the day, it's all about being able to control a game in a sense of how you play. And I thought all three facets of those conversations and things I just mentioned, the Tennessee Titans did a good job. So hats off to them to get in the win. But how about my guy, my quarterback, the guy who was, where was he last? He was in L.A., the starter last year, who started off, what, five 3-0? Oh, Case
2: Keenum. Case Keenum. Yeah. <laughs> Take a victory lap there.
1: Hey, that's another great one. Well, so, what it, happened
2: to Tampa Bay in that game, Cordell? It looked well, like they were no. sleepwalking.
1: So is it Tampa Bay or is it Case Keenum? You know what? I'm going with Case Keenum. I thought he played a phenomenal game. I thought the offense played very well together. And, yeah, to, an- to answer your question, uh, because that was the team I did pick to win that division, uh, it's, the season is not over. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, It just looked like they weren't capable able of, capable, excuse me, of keeping up with what we saw the Minnesota Vikings doing. We had a few guys go out with injuries, a little bit uncharacteristic of what we've seen of them as of lately. Uh, but I just think it was just a really good game, a really hard fart and tough game uh, by this Minnesota Vikings team that wouldn't give in. uh the quarterback in Case Keenum with 25 or 33 uh, with three touchdowns, didn't turn the football over. Cook gave you 97 yards. Uh, Case Keenum even gave you a, a little scampy 18 yards on the day to help out Diggs. Another phenomenal day of 173 yards and Thielen giving you 98. And okay, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, obviously, he's not Case Keenum favorite guy like he is. Uh, for Sam Bradford, you end up having an opportunity uh to see Case Keenum go out and spread the ball around similar to what Sam Bradford did week one. So I think that team is playing really good football. They're on the right track and – Guys, we got to figure out what's going on with the Giants. They better hurry and well, figure it's over, this thing pal. out, pal. They're zero three.
2: Oh, when you're zero three, you're not going to the playoffs statistically. I mean, they, <laughs> they need happening. a lot of help
1: because the the second best team in the division is playing really good football, and that's the team I picked to be the second best team in the, in the division is Philadelphia. So you know, it, it, they play very good today. How about the scramble by K, uh, um, about uh, Carson Wentz of 11 yards making a play? I mean, it was just a lot of playmaking taking place. LaDarius like Blunt getting the tough yardage when needed, and I think everything that you needed from this from this Philadelphia Eagles team to get that win, which was a tough one, an in division rival, uh, they end up coming away uh, pretty good. And uh, right now they're sitting at two and one. Um, with, with an opportunity to compete for that division if they can keep playing this type of football.
4: Wow. I mean, everyone's patting themselves on the back. Uh, you know, you're doing a great job of it, Cordell. So why, 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 why stop there? So tell me with Jameis Winston, it just seemed like he's, he fluctuates. He goes up and down and you are a resident quarterback. So I'm going to defer to you on this. Why why is he so ups and down? Well, the, the
1: ups and downs come from, in my, my mind, just maybe sometimes trying to do too much. and, I think that was one of the conversations we heard when we watched uh, the Hard Knocks um, show this past summer uh, with his head coach uh, and himself and saying that he doesn't have to do it by himself. And when you go out and you make those types of mistakes, turning the ball over three times on the road, uh, you really make it hard for your team to actually have a chance to compete within the trenches. And, you know, you have to credit that to Coach Zimmer's defense. Let's just call it what it is. This is a very good defense they have over there. No one really wants to give them credit because I know we have our eyes on the Green Bay Packers, which I think we all do as we speak right now with this game with seven minutes, 34 seconds left in overtime. They have the football on the, what, the minus 21-yard line. Um, It's just one of those cases where they're just playing solid. And I just think right now Tampa Bay need to figure it out because Atlanta, uh, they got away with one today.
2: Oh, they, um, got they, got, they got away with it. They got away with one a
1: huge one today, and they say he was down by contact, but I don't even think the knee touched the ground to be honest with. you. It looked like it was very close, but I don't think it touched the ground. I think he ended up scoring that touchdown and the comeback kid and, and, and Sam Bradford, he Matthew truly Stafford. Lives, Matthew, Matthew Stafford. Stafford I, I, there it is again. Matthew Stafford. he lives up to the new contract. So uh, again, this conference, that division, is going to be a tough one as we move forward. Minnesota's playing good the heck with the loss today for 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 the Detroit Lions phenomenal game by them Atlanta's playing solid we see Green Bay trying to make a run to to get a W today Philadelphia uh they're doing their thing and um it, it's looking pretty decent in the NFC North to say the least
0: you're listening to NFL No Huddle the podcast and we'll be right back with more after
7: this Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to, and from, the heart of pop culture.
8: Author's note. That's me. I'm the author.
7: Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life.
8: I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right
7: from a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars.
8: I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to
2: the two of us.
7: With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Michael Fabiano of NFL Network. Michael, thanks for taking the time. Let's look ahead to Sunday Night Football. How do you see the Redskins running back situation with Rob Kelly dealing with a rib issue?
6: Yeah, it looks like Rob Kelly uh, is either going to be uh, limited or out in this contest. So, it's my JP Ryan. looks like he'll be the starter. Chris Thompson's a better play in PPR leagues. He's been the best Redskins running back from a fantasy perspective after two weeks, and he's a guy that's very versatile, too, and they're going to utilize him quite a bit with Kelly banged up.
4: Michael, Nick Ferguson here. Right now we're watching the Chargers in Kansas City so far already, Phillip Rivers Mm -hmm. three interceptions. We know they have an explosive wide receiver on that Chargers team and Travis Benjamin. If you are a fantasy owner, you have Travis Benjamin. Is it time to kind of place him on a waiver wire and go out and find another wide receiver? You know what? I mean, Benjamin
6: is so hit or miss that I don't know that a lot of fantasy owners are starting him. He's probably on some rosters as a bench player. That's the issue with, with a player like uh, with Benjamin. He kind of reminds me of like Devery Henderson. You remember this guy would either give you two catches for 10 yards or he'd give you three catches for 70 and a touchdown. And Benjamin is very similar to that. So, the best wide receiver, clearly in uh, on that roster, is is Keenan Allen. But the big thing here that people need to remember of Philip Rivers that his game can be so unreliable and inconsistent that as a fantasy owner, it drives you nuts. He can go out there one week and give you three hundred and three touchdowns and look tremendous, and then the following week, in a division game, he's got three interceptions in the first half. This is sort of where Phillip Rivers falls from being one of the top-tiered quarterbacks in fantasy football because he does this all the time.
2: Mike, because you are a fantasy Hall of Famer and a huge football fan in addition to being a fantasy analyst, is Philip Rivers going to be a Hall of Famer? Is he going to Kenton, Ohio?
6: I still think he needs a, a couple of more seasons. We'll see how long he plays. I believe it's close, though. I, I believe it, it's going to be close. He's just never gotten to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean... He's gotten close. He's gotten close. And I remember uh, that one season where he played through what was a torn ACL and, uh, you know, a a gritty guy, a guy who is uh, clearly uh, someone who was a favorite of his teammates and is a favorite of his teammates. You know, I work with with Danny and Tomlinson, and uh, they have a good relationship. I think he's close. I don't know if he's there just yet.
4: Michael, you know, when Sam Bradford went out, you know, a lot of fantasy owners were really shaking in their boots. As far as the level of production for Stefan Diggs, but enter, you know, Case Keenum, I mean, it exploded today from an offensive standpoint and put up big numbers with Stefan Diggs. Is this something that we can expect moving forward with this chemistry that these two seem to have developed in this short period of time?
6: Well, Stefan Diggs was one of my favorite breakout candidates uh, uh, of the year, I, and especially a wide receiver. I mean, I loved him coming in. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get him in as many leagues as I wanted to, but Diggs actually had sort of seen a downtick in his value, because if you remember last week against the Steelers, he was held pretty much in check, and a lot of people accounted that to Sam Bradford's absence. Now going into this week, Diggs was started in a lot of fantasy leagues, but I guarantee you there were owners out there who said, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on Devontae Parker, for example, or I'm going to take a chance on Rashard Higgins, because Diggs has got to catch passes from Case Keenum and the Buccaneers defense is pretty good. Well, if you did bench Diggs, you are probably shaking your head and not looking a whole lot at your game center because he had a monster contest. And I think this was great that he did it with Case Keenum, but I am certainly more comfortable starting Diggs weekend in a week out once Sam Bradford returns from that knee injury.
2: It's the Fantasy Fix with Michael Fabiano of NFL Network. Check Mike and the fellas out. NFL Fantasy Live weekdays, 5 Eastern. Michael, we're tracking what's going on in Green Bay. Ty Montgomery appears to be shaken up beyond the details of whatever's going on with him physically. What's his outlook overall? A ton of touches to start the year.
6: Yeah, he he was on pace for uh, well over 200 touches, and he had previously had 121 as his career high, which was last season. So they needed to dial it back a little bit in terms of his overall touch numbers. Now, with that being said, I still think Assuming this injury is not serious, I do believe he is going to end up being a very solid RB2 for fantasy fans and RB1 in PPR leagues. He's got a lot of advantages. Defenses cannot stack the box against Aaron Rodgers or he will absolutely destroy them. So he's always going to have the advantage of a future Hall of Fame quarterback playing there with him. And let's keep in mind, this is a former receiver who's turned running back, which means what? He is a very good pass catcher as well. And as a fantasy owner, you always like to have a running back who's versatile, who can catch the ball out of the backfield and make plays as a runner. And Ty has proven in the first couple of weeks that he can certainly do both.
4: Michael, we've seen some guys today really uh, become like fantasy uh, gems. And these would be guys that we still can talk about as far as being sleepers, like you know Blake Bortles. I mean, he's struggled ever since preseason. But he plays against the Baltimore Ravens, who were sensational a week ago, turning the ball over. I think they had four last week. But his numbers were just kind of out of the roof. You know, 244 yards, four touchdowns. Is there another guy that's out there who can? You know, we can view as being a sleeper. That you know, maybe you can tell the listeners that maybe they need to pay attention to.
6: You know, there are so many quarterbacks in this league that, regardless of status. Uh, in the NFL, fantasy football, or otherwise, can put up good numbers. This week has shown that more than any other week that I can remember. Tom Brady is your number one quarterback right now, uh, which is no shock because he had five touchdowns. But after that, you're looking at Keith Keenum, Jacoby Brissett, Blake Bortles, Brian Hoyer, and Jared Goff. I mean, I read this list, and I can't believe it. <laughs> it, it, is, it, it is one of those weekends, and it happens two or three times a year where everything goes sideways. And weird stuff happens. And strange things have happened this week at the quarterback position. Even Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning goes to Philadelphia typically, and his numbers are bad. And today, he threw for 366 yards and had 22.6 fantasy points. With that being said, to answer your question, I like Deshaun Watson. I don't know how you can't like this kid. He almost beat Bill Belichick as a rookie in New England. And he looked good, and he can run with the football. And I've said it a million times, I'll say it a million more, when a rookie quarterback can run with the football, he's got added value. We also saw that with Deshaun Kaiser today. 44 yards rushing and a touchdown. That is very solid, 22 fantasy points. I think Watson needs to be added in all fantasy leagues. even at a deep quarterback position. If he can do this against the Patriots, and remember, last week he had a very solid game from a fantasy perspective. Two scored around 18 fantasy points. Heck, that is pretty good uh, for, for anyone, and I was surprised at how well he performed considering the circumstances, considering his last lack of uh, experience in the National Football League, and considering the fact that the Patriots really shut down New Hopkins. New Hopkins did not have a good game in standard-scoring leagues, but Watson still put up a very solid line. He is a player to watch, no question about it.
2: Michael, as always, we appreciate the information as we're tracking the rivalry between the Chiefs and the Chargers. How about the rivalry between you and Matt Money-Smith? Who's going to win the title this year at NFL <laughs> Network?
6: You know what? Matt Money-Smith and I played in the championship two years in a row, and he beat me two years in a row, and he does not let me forget that very <laughs> often. Let's put it that way. But Money's great. I love him, um, and I'm super proud of him doing, uh, doing his thing with the, with the L.A. Chargers. I just got to hope that when we meet up again in the championship and I can take this guy out because I can't have this hanging over my head for the rest of my life because he does hang it over my head, I promise you.
2: Thank you, Mike. We appreciate the analysis. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. All right. Take care.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after
7: this. Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn. From American politics to global events, get live 24-7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up-to-the-minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day. Thank you for joining us with this breaking news report. Really appreciate it. Day or night, get live news. News coverage from around the world on TuneIn.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, now let's go through all the fallout from the Patriots' thrilling victory over the Texans with Paul Perillo of Patriots.com Radio. Paul, thanks for taking the time as we're watching this game and listening to the closing moments on the Patriots Radio Network. Felt like if you gave Tom Brady that much time, he was going to deliver. How did you see it?
8: Yeah, exactly that same way. And I know that the, you know the Texans defensively were playing great in the fourth quarter. They forced a couple of three and outs. But you know, I just I turned to my buddy Andy Hart and I looked at him. And I said, you know, how many times in a row do you think they're going to stop him? And I thought that the, the game comes back to about two and a half minutes left, a little less than that. Uh, it's third and one from the 18-yard line. Houston's up two with the ball. If they get a first down there, they're probably going to run the clock out. Uh, may or may not even have had to kick that field goal. And on third and one, they just ran a pedestrian play up the middle of Lamar Miller. He gets stuffed. Uh, I just can't believe they didn't put the ball into Sean Watson's hands there. And, uh, you know, to compound that mistake, I thought Billy O'Brien had a chance to go for it on fourth down. And even if he gets stopped, it's pretty much the same situation. You got your defense on the field with uh, you know a long field to drive. Yeah, you need a field goal instead of a touchdown. But uh, again, I just I, exactly the way you said it, Brian. I felt if you give Tom Brady some time, he's going to make you pay. And you gave him about two twenty a timeout plus the two minute warning, and that was plenty of time. It, you know they just went down the field and and they uh, they went in dramatic fashion again. They probably didn't deserve to win.
4: Paul Nick Ferguson here at the beginning of the season, everyone's talking about. After the loss to Kansas City, that the fact that you know Tom Brady is forty years old, and you we look at the defense and the pieces, and they're just getting together and trying to develop that cohesive cohesiveness. Now we're in Week Three, and we've seen the Patriots score a lot of points, but we've also seen something that we haven't seen in years: the Patriots give up a lot of points. So if you're Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick. What, what's what's the res- resolution? How do you solve the issue and slow the bleeding <laughs> as far as giving up so many points?
8: Yeah, I just spent two hours talking about this very thing on our post-game show, and and I don't have a, an easy fix for you. I'll tell you, I think, you know, first and foremost, I think there's a, person, a, a personnel issue. I don't, I'm not sure that they're talented enough on defense. Now, the secondary has some talent, and they need to play better. They haven't played well, really, in any of the three games, and, and that's Butler, that's Gilmore. Uh, and that's McCourty. You know, guys that have played well in the past for this team, uh, well, you know, with the exception of Gilmore, obviously he just got here. I don't know what the answer is, though, Nick. I, I don't know if you you know, maybe change up your personnel, if you get a little bit more aggressive, but you're right. Uh, the three games that they've played, uh, I thought they were really fortunate to only allow 20 against New Orleans uh, last week. I thought the Saints had plenty of opportunities to score, but the Patriots' offense was just so good, they had that two-score lead and they forced New Orleans into basically going for fourth downs instead of kicking field goals. Uh, They forced them to throw the ball into the end zone in an effort to make big plays because they were just playing catch-up. The other two games, Kansas City and Houston, offensively those two teams did whatever they wanted. They ran the ball, they threw the ball, and today was really eye-opening because they were able to throw the ball with a rookie quarterback who really hadn't shown the ability to move the offense on a consistent basis in a conventional way. I mean, if he was going to come out here and make a bunch of plays with his legs today, you'd sit there and say, well, he's a special athlete. He can do that, but they they dropped back and ma- he, certainly he made some plays buying time with his legs, but they did a lot of conventional offense today where they just dropped back and threw the ball to wide-open receivers, and I, I think the Patriots were fortunate not to allow more because I think as a rookie, I thought Watson was a little erratic, especially in the fourth quarter missing some open guys, so the Patriots have a lot of work to do defensively. You're right, Nick. They don't usually give up points in this this fashion. A lot of big plays they've allowed, um, but they generally have a a tendency to get better as the season goes on, I would expect that. I'm just not as confident of that as I would be in the past, like I said, because of the personnel.
2: Paul Perillo from Patriots.com Radio. Patriots Football Weekly is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Paul, since you were talking defense, did Malcolm Butler return to the starting lineup, and what do you make of some of the trade talk that's been percolating?
8: Yeah, he was back in the starting lineup, but there's a a big asterisk there. Uh, Eric Rowe is the gentleman who took his place last week In New Orleans, and he was not active today. He left the Saints game with a groin injury and he missed today's game. So we didn't really get an answer to that question would he return to the starting lineup? Now, Butler did uh, get back out there. He played on a full time basis and he competed hard against uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I thought Hopkins showed you why he's so tough. Um, You know, I think he had seven catches for 70 some odd yards. Um, You know, they did a good job of limiting the big plays from him. Uh, And I thought Butler was back to his, his competitive self, but still generally when they threw the ball to uh, Butler's direction, the ball got caught. So the secondary is really, really struggling. And that was supposed to be a huge strength of this team. I thought Devin McCourty was a little bit late at times on tight ends down the seam. Uh, You know, Ryan Griffin caught a touchdown uh, and earlier in the game, Bruce Ellington, uh, you know, split the seam uh, on a route right down the middle where, where McCourty looked like he was the center fielder and, he bid on a play over to his right and was late coming over to the middle uh, to get Bruce Ellington. So the secondary in general has been an issue.
4: Paul, you know, when we look at Tom Brady, we know he's the key staple of this uh, New England Patriot team. Uh, five sacks today given up by the offensive lineman. We saw even in the Kansas yep. City game uh, there was some pressure being placed on Tom Brady. What is it that they need to do with this offensive line to give – Tom Brady, a consistent, clean pocket.
8: Yeah, it's going to have to get better. Uh, They were without Marcus Cannon today. They're starting right tackle, uh, who was on the injury report all week with a concussion and ankle injury. Uh, He was seen limping around the locker room a little bit on Friday, so I'm not sure which of those situations caused him to miss the game. But Le'Avon Waddle wasn't overly noticeable in his place. Uh, The the trouble came from the other side. uh, Nate Solder. Uh, had, had trouble off the edge. Now, listen, the Texans are really, really talented up front, I and mean, there's a lot of teams that have had Whitney Merciless and Devin Clowney and J.J. J. Watt disrupt the game, and those guys certainly disrupted the game. I thought they affected play calling at times in the second half. Uh, I, there were a couple of possessions where the Patriots get, came out and just ran the ball, uh, ran the ball three times and ended up getting stopped on third and one and had a punt, uh, and I think that was a direct result of the constant pressure that Brady was under. Uh, really throughout the game and again I talked about some of the good fortune the Patriots had Brady was strip sacked three times in this game he only lost one of them he was strip sacked on the final drive and the ball landed on his offensive lineman who was on the ground David Andrews ends up saving the day by recovering a fumble on the next play Brady throws a deep interception that gets dropped as the defensive back hits the ground I think it was uh, Corey Moore uh, for the Texans who had the ball in his hand took it to the ground and didn't complete the act of the catch. So. There's some, some issues here that are being really caused by the offensive line. I think it's affecting play calling, but th- these are the five guys they're going to roll with. You add Cannon to this mix, and what you saw today is what, what you got, and, and it hasn't been good enough consistently enough. There have been times where they've done a pretty good job protecting Brady, but there have been other times, like the fourth quarter of that Kansas City game, uh, and really throughout the day today, where it hasn't been good enough, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't change, you bring up the 40-year-old quarterback element, and I know that You know, Tom's got it licked when it comes to, you know, he can't get hurt and all that with with the TB12 method, but I can't imagine him (laughs) surviving, taking all the hits that he's taking right now.
2: Thank you for getting the plug in. I know he's trying to sell his book as well, Paul. We appreciate the insights. We know it's a broadcast marathon for you on Sunday, so thanks for joining us again on the NFL on nah, TuneIn. This is what this is what we do, right? On
8: Sundays, we
0: talk. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to your exclusive interviews with SZA.
4: And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know.
0: Let legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from. or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music.
7: So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships.
0: Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Let's wrap up NFL No Huddle, the podcast, celebrating individual achievement with Nick's Picks.
0: You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's Picks.
2: I'm not a businessman.
4: I am a businessman. And all I do is put up numbers. Drew Brees served up some spicy touchdown gumbo to a tough Panthers D. 22 or 29, 22 yards, three touchdowns. Hold the beignets. Relax your mind, let your conscience be free, and get down to the sounds of Tom Brady. With another big game, 25-35, 378 yards, five touchdowns, proving to the average DBs, I'm known as the Terminator. Better late than never, but never late is better. Jordan Howard, late touchdown and overtime helped the Bears get their first win of the season. 22 carries, 138 yards. And two touchdowns. That's the late edition of Knicks Picks.
0: Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.